0: Hello, my name is Ken, and I want to welcome you back to Deep Waters. This podcast is brought to you by Applied Strengths Ministry, where we believe working together in our strengths is the effect of working out the will and calling of God in our lives. The title of this message is Family Redefined. This is the seventh of an eight-part series. So imagine what we have today. A mother loses her son, and in most cases she is left on her own to figure it out. Now Jesus had brothers and sisters, so why, oh why, did he not leave this matter to them? They could surely have taken care of her, right? What was he thinking to reassign her to the apostle of love? Hmm, family redefined? John nineteen twenty-five twenty-seven. 27. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother, and the disciple whom he loved, standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her to his own home. Even in his death he was redefining family. I know you could say that Jesus was just ensuring that his mother was going to be taken care of after his death, and this is no doubt true. However, in a not spelled out sense, John apparently didn't have a mother at that time, and Mary was about to be without a son. But what I'm really seeing is that we struggle today even to take care of our own family. But Jesus just simply passed a tort, passing her into another family. There he is hanging on the cross, and he is still considerate of his mother's condition and future. Oh, I'm sure we can learn something from this moment. Now he didn't just do this randomly—that is, handing her to a stranger in the crowd. He picked one of his top three guys, who were, if you remember, Peter, James, and John. So now might be as good a time as any to ask why he didn't leave his mother in the care of Jesus' own brothers and sisters. For other kids. Were none of them in a position to care for her? This is where he again redefines family. To my knowledge, at the time of his death, they were not believers. Now, I could be wrong, but that would explain why he reassigned her to John. We know that John is a disciple of love, and that maybe Jesus knew that his mother would need love to continue in the trial of losing her son Jesus. Perhaps it is only that he wanted her to be around someone who could continue the work of discipling her. Now, that's a life group I would love to be in. Regardless, the reason for the shift of families, there was a shift, and it is this point that I'm trying to make. You belong to a different family when you experience an authentically born-again conversion. As we can see, that experience is going to cause some, even in your own household, to despise you, to hate you, and in worst-case scenarios, to kill you. If you previously lived in a green tribe, you are no doubt, after being born again, are pink and if you are doing Christianity right, you will stand out. You will stand out from among them, and it will be quite disturbing to them. Look, John 15:25. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled, which is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. So now let's see what happened when you got saved. John 15, 18, 19. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own, yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. So in this next scripture, we see not only Jesus saying, "Do not be surprised that people hate you, but if you call yourself a Christian but hate other Christians who are now more closely needed to you than your natural brother, you are not actually going with what could have been your new adopted eternal family, 1 John three thirteen fifteen Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you." we know that we have passed from death to life, because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. That's a Christian standard. We ought to meet it. And herein we see both the scripture above and below, the sword of division, or rather the effect of the sword, the effects of your preaching, pastoring, apostling, prophesying, evangelizing, teaching or leading others to their new family, equipping them for the work of ministry and making them disciples that remain. Ephesians 4, 11, 16. Hebrews 4:12. For the word of God is living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. It's like the word of God is a spy, sent to help us detach from our old selves and be rejoined to our new selves and to Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Welcome to your new family. Trust me, it's better. And besides, sometimes those in your family may also experience an authentically born-again conversion. We know that James, Jesus' brother, did. We also know that you can declare, as Joshua did, that you and your whole household will serve the Lord. Joshua 24:15. But for many, this will not be the case, as we see in the Scriptures above, and not that we should be okay with that, but because we are aware, we are not caught off guard at their behavior towards us. I have done several messages including a message titled, Seedy Seedlings, which chats about two seeds, those of God's and those of Satan's. Satan doesn't like God at all, so it would be ludicrous for us to think his kids would like those of us who are from the seed of God. The urgency of our calling a mission is no less than the urgency of the military when it is called to a campaign. In fact, it is more so because our mission is to populate heaven and eternal and holy habitation. The military does not have the same agenda, although I am thankful that we have the best of the best looking out for us. But so don't overlook the similarity as well, which is that we both have enemies who are always trying to come up with ways to destroy us. John 10.10 10, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. The end, in part. Remember, it's not what you find wrong with or disagree with regarding these messages, but what you can take away from it. Together, we can do more to impact the kingdom than if we work alone. Let's flip the script to kill, still, and destroy the work of the enemy and create space for the light of lights to shine through into people's lives. Plant a seed and click on the like and subscribe button. Let's build this ministry together. Thanks and to see you next time in Deep Waters.